And welcome to the pre-snap motion podcast episode number 20 brought to you by sharpfootballanalysis.com. I am your host, Chad Scott. With me as always, my buddy, Rich. Rich, what's going on, man? Chad, what's happening, brother? Here we are just knocking on the doorstep of week one. It is pretty crazy given all the circumstances and the, you know, the back and forth through the summer of, you know, will this happen? Won't this happen? And we have made it through 20 of these shows, and we're going to have hey. week one football. The next time we talk, we're actually be talking about actual games yeah. and football being played, uh, which is pretty wild to think about. So, I mean, it's been a, it's been a fun journey, but in, we're kicking off September, and uh, yeah, man, I'm excited. Yeah, man, this is uh, this is your last week to to savor it because your oh, life yeah. is your life's about to change uh, for the next uh, <laughs> I don't know twenty weeks or so. But uh, next week we you know you, you you kind of touched on a little bit. We're going to go back to um, if we have any longtime listeners of, from the Fake Goods here, we're going to kind of go back to to our roots uh, as it were, Rich, and kind of get back to that. I mean, it's kind of fun. I, I we didn't really say we we're going to talk about this, but like on the show. We love talking about guys that are outside, like the positional ranges of where you'd start somebody, like somebody outside of QB 12, RB 24, wide receiver 36, and so on. Um, we're going to get kind of back into that. We're going to talk about the hard-hitting news that is the NFL on a weekly basis um, and get kind of back to what we did on Fake Goods that uh, everybody so much enjoyed, obviously, back in the day. But uh, before we get ready, uh, this is our this is going to be a fun episode. We're talking about our guys on this episode um so it's it's gonna be quick sweet and uh and fun i think um but before we do a couple sure. flags you know yeah you got yeah. to you know we're not we're not so much hot take customers but no, uh you know not. we at least want to make it known at least you know as people wrap up their final drafts and exactly. uh, we wrap up our own final drafts make it clear and you know who our guys are for the season yeah and i mean this is something we obviously i don't think either of us really uh say what we don't or say what we don't do so um i had a couple of my my home league drafts this weekend and the guys that i'm talking about are the guys that i drafted in both of these um as well so um we practice what we preach around here on the pre-snap motion podcast um before we get going though i just want to make sure everybody uh goes to sharpfootballanalysis.com make sure you are uh, getting the book before the season ends warren's book uh football preview 2020 uh, amazing stuff. We talk about it every week on the podcast. Uh, go get your copy now. And this is your last chance to also go over there and get the fancy package that Rich is cranking out content week, uh, day in, day out pretty much um, on the site. And you are also, we haven't talked about this, but on Fridays, you're doing a little chit chat with subscribers. Is that right? I did one last Friday. Uh, I'll pr- I probably do it. Will, will probably be Thursday this week, I believe, just because I have some scheduling stuff going on uh, with this weekend. I actually have a friend moving, and uh, I am uh, falling on that sword and helping him move. Uh, like a good Samaritan friend, I am. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I mean, it, we'll probably do it Thursday this week. But yeah, we had a nice little turnout the first chat, and you can just come in and we, we talk about just everything. It's kind of like the chat steer the conversation. Uh, and riff, riff off the questions, and we just try to make each other uh, all better fantasy players. Boom. Yeah, going to be gonna be good. And while we're on that, um, we're going to talk about the end of the episode. But next week, we're going to start recording on Wednesdays to uh, have out on Thursday mornings for you guys. So uh, just kind of be aware of that. If you haven't seen us uh, up next week, 
by Wednesday morning, know that we are recording that day to have you to have it up before Thursday and uh, when you have to set your lineup. So easy note there. Um, so like I said, this show is about our guys, rich uh, players we want to plant flags on and that we have been drafting most, whether it's already been or what we're looking to draft. Um, you said you have two home league drafts coming up this weekend. So these are guys, unfortunately, that your league mates might listen to this week and know what you're going after. But uh, it is what it is, you know. That's the gift and the curse, you know, of uh, doing this for a living and, you know, the having, you know, friends that are good friends and do read your content or consume your content. Sometimes it, it helps out because sometimes, you know, you know, if I have a whiff or something that those guys will reach on guys, they know I'm high on them or, uh, you know, I didn't fall on a potential landmine. I remember the one year the, I really liked Torrey Smith uh, for the Ravens and, you know, he ended up not. Really oh yeah. That year, I but, remember that. Uh, and all my, all my home leagues though, I had no shot to get him because everyone knew I liked him and was targeting him. So they would just nice. jump me. Nice. And so it kind of helped out uh, in a way. I mean, I hope that doesn't happen with some of these guys here. That was the one that uh, stuck out to me, but uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, my, my friends are going to consume this and target all these guys and poach me on all these guys. So luckily I have been drafting these guys all summer. Uh, so, I mean, I won't be completely shut out. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, I do. I do remember the Tory Holt year because I, you, you uh, made me a believer in Tory Holt that year. And I, uh, I mean, I wish it was Tory Holt. I would, Tory Holt wouldn't have let me down. You know, it was, it was good in theory. I remember that, but uh, <laughs> didn't work out so well for us. Um, so let's get to it, man. Um, let's go with our favorite tier two wide receivers. Who do you got? I mean, we, I think everybody who's listening to the show kind of knows who you're going to go here, but uh yeah, I'll be brief just because I've talked about this guy, you know, all summer and having him, you know, as high, highly as I have. And you can check the receipts at how many times I've drafted him outside of these, you know, the, the tier one wide receivers. And he's at the top of my wish list, you know, in drafts. You can get him cheaper. It's Adam Thielen. I mean, you look at Thielen last year, just played 43% of snaps. You know, he, he ran to that hamstring. But the last time we seen him on the field went, you know um, – not the second to last game, you know, he went over 100 yards uh, in that playoff game against the Saints, came back to over 50 yards in the 49ers debacle game that, you know, Kirk Cousins was just a disaster in. Um, but you look at him last year while he played prior to his injury, he was the wide receiver 12 in overall PPR scoring. He was averaging 15 yards per catch among all players with 25 or more targets. He had a reception of 20 or more yards on 29.2% of his targets. That was fourth in the NFL. He had seven of the 12 uh, end zone targets for the Vikings while he was healthy before that injury uh, was just dominating end zone targets. And then you talk about just uh, how things play out from this year. The selection of Justin Jefferson allows him not to revert back to being like a slot centric centric, you know, type of receiver. I think one of the knocks on Thielen is people see Thielen and because he's a Caucasian receiver and think he's like some kind of Julian Edelman-esque or Wes Welker, like type of just slot only guy. This is a guy who averages, you know, 14 yards per catch for his career, started his career actually on the outside kind of as like an Alshon Jeffrey type player while Diggs was, Stephon Diggs was the slot player. Then their roles kind of flipped uh, the following year, you know, after uh, Thielen's breakout, but he's not some kind of like puddle jumper. This is a guy that can win vertically um, in the league. And he has already shown that and he's in win in the NFL, but so Justin Jefferson allows him to kind of, you know, get those deep routes and occupy some of those targets that, you know, Stefan Diggs was so efficient with a year ago. Uh, if you look at the Vikings current depth chart, their wide receiver depth chart outside of Adam Thielen has combined for a career 39 receptions right now. Uh, he's just going to dominate, dominate targets here. Uh, we've seen him already have a stretch where he is a wide receiver one producer in fantasy football. If you go to the front half of the 2018 season, and then if you're worried about the volume, I mean, um, teams that threw for, for 
uh, had 500 or fewer passes in a season over the past decade, on average, come back and have 65.3 more passing plays per season the following year, and average 552 pass attempts the following season. So there's going to be a increase in uh, actual team volume as well. And I also think the Vikings just aren't going to be as good a team as they were uh, a year ago inherently and have to be forced to throw more as well. So, I mean, Adam Thielen is a guy you can sometimes get him in like the fourth round. Mike Clay has really jammed up his ESPN ranking. Um, so you, he's like the right, like the wide receiver. Uh, he goes in like the top 25 over there and there like rankings if you use the ESPN site, but uh, I would have no problem taking him in the, you know, in the third round when you start with one of these, you know, high end running backs and, you know, depending if you get a kill Kelsey in round two, but I had no problem, you know, uh, taking him in the front of the third round where he goes uh, ahead of ADP. Yeah, nice. And I, the the guy I was gonna I was gonna actually say was um, somebody who I can't take now that I'm looking actually looking at ADP um, in in DJ Moore. I guess that would have been too easy because no, he counts. I said tier one is like uh, you know the top shelf. Devontae guys. Adams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because listen, we right. we can all like plan. I we can all plan a flag in Devonte Adams if we want. But like, who's right, who's right, the right. who's the wide receiver outside of those guys that you like the most? So I mean, it sounds like it's DJ Moore, correct? Yeah, I mean, it is DJ Moore, and that's the guy. That <laughs> <laughs> I, I I'm usually okay with reaching in or reaching on in the third, but usually can be had in the fourth in a lot of um, I guess non uh, non industry drafts. Um, so this guy obviously came out in the second year, killed it, 135 targets, um, only had four touchdowns, and I think that's the big thing with me is he had all these targets. Um, Greg Olson isn't there now. They have a new. In- offense coordinator and Joe Brady, who is going to look to get him the ball um, where he needs to go or where he needs to be and in space. Um, really the only competition he has for targets is Christian McCaffrey um, with what's left there. Curtis Samuel hasn't had a good camp, although I, I, Curtis Samuel is another guy I think we, we both like in this offense um, and, and is a good kind of later the round, late, later the draft guy uh, you can have, but DJ Moore is just this, is just this wide receiver one waiting to happen. I mean, his, his, his college tape, his his profile, he wide receiver, he he profiles that wide receiver one, and like I said, in this offense with Terry Bridgewater, um, he doesn't have much competition, and I think DJ Moore is just a guy that is going to get close to 150 targets in this offense, and what he can do with that is is going to be 1,200 plus yards and hopefully uh, six plus touchdowns uh, with an easy wide receiver one finish for 2020. Now I don't have all the stats to back that up, um, like like you just said. So I think you're going to have to edit in all those. Just talk about DJ Moore and then put my name on at the end um, when this (laughs) podcast goes out, (laughs) right? Easy peasy. Uh, Let's go with, yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's go with our favorite. uh, That was our favorite tier two uh, wide receiver. Let's go with our favorite running back two, not tier two, but running back two. Um, I'm going to have you start because I still haven't really picked a guy. So go ahead. <laughs> I mean, my favorite RB2 in drafts is a guy that's just continuously climbed all summer. and It's James Conner. Uh, you know, he's a guy I actually have, uh, you know, it's an RB1 and, you know, our, at the site, you know, I have him over a guy like Josh Jacobs, even at the site. I think he's just, his layout is really good. I understand the risks, which we'll talk about, but I mean, you know, after, you know, he's, he's had that, you know, that injury injury kind of ridden start, you know, his first two seasons uh, in the league, you know, 10 of his uh, he's, he's missed nine games outright the past two years, which I understand is, you know, is a problem. But if you look at just the 18 games he's played where he's played at least 50% of the team snaps, 
the past two years, he's averaged 21.3 PPR points per game. Now you say, yeah, well, that 2018 he was awesome when the Steelers were awesome. But last year, even in a seven-game sample where he had 50% of the team snaps playing with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph, he averaged 18 and a half PPR points per game in that cesspool of an offensive climate. Um, I don't think the Steelers bounce back to the 2018, you know, levels of offense. I think expecting them to lead the NFL and you know pass attempts uh, again, you know, when their roster is different than it was then, and Ben is you know two years older coming off an elbow uh, injury. You know, Ben is like that guy that like pitched like a ridiculous amount of innings you know in 2018 he, he set an NFL record for pass attempts and then his elbow fell off the next year mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to go back and revert to that type of offense but I definitely think that the offense bounces back in a big way we talked about how they lost the most passing yards per game in NFL history from year over year and in, in, out of any team in NFL history um and then you look at their schedule. I mean, they have the number two rushing efficiency schedule laid out at Sharp Football Stats. They only faced three teams that were 15th or higher in rushing efficiency uh, a year ago. Uh, the schedule's great. I think Ben makes that offense better than it was. Anytime Connor's been healthy, he's been an electric producer. We know that they want to have a bell cow running back. Mike Tomlin has made it clear. Uh, the depth, you know, Benny Snell is kind of a limited one-dimensional guy. We don't know what Anthony McFarland is yet, and Jalen Samuel seems to be on the outs. Uh, I just look at Connor and I think his injury price is, is his injury risk is priced in because you get him as an RB two on your roster now. He's not yeah. an RB one, and especially if you start like I mean I you know I love getting him as an RB two when I start with one of these bell cow running backs. You can yeah. I mean you could take him in the late second uh, or the third round turn, and if you've got a Christian McCaffrey and Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Saquon Barkley, and you could and you have that insulation of those guys, and you pair him with a Connor, you have a potential to have like two top six PPR backs, uh, and then you start with a wide receiver or a tight end in that mix, and you've got a really great start to your draft. Uh, so, I mean, Connor, even with the price increase, because when we started doing these shows, like back in the spring, he was going to like the fifth round and he's cut, he's yeah. come to the third round, but I still think he's worth it there. Uh, and I still think he reminds me a lot of last year's Leonard Fournette, where he's priced and where the risk mm-hmm. is and the upside that lies with the role he has. And this is a way better offense, I believe that we'll see than what the Jaguars were a year ago. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm still, you know, targeting James Connor uh, when he's my RB2. Yeah, and then, you know, just if you look at the list of RB2s um, in drafts right now, and I'm just going to read them off real quick. Kenyon Drake, Aaron Jones, Todd Gurley, Leonard Fournette, Chris Carson, Le'Veon Bell, James Conner, your guy, David Johnson, Melvin Gordon, Jonathan Taylor, Devin Singletary, Raheem Mostert. Um, landmines everywhere. I mean, these are the guys that we, we told you not to draft um, kind of going into our, in, in our offseason podcast because this is where they're going drafted is through third, fourth, fifth round. Um, but if, I, if I'm looking, if I have to pick a guy here, um, it's going to be Aaron Jones, I feel like. Um, I, I, James Conner is probably going to be the guy, but just to pay a little bit of a devil's advocate, I'm going to go with Aaron Jones based on his production we saw last year. Um, granted, they brought in A.J. Dillon, obviously, for this year. Um, that could spell, you know, less carries for Aaron Jones. But where I really want to see Aaron Jones excel at is in the passing game. Whether or not that's going to happen under uh, the head coach they have is it remains to be seen. But Aaron Rodgers vouches for this guy. They only have Devontae Adams, really, uh, for receivers. Um, so he's really their only playmaker after Devontae Adams. And so if, if Green Bay wants to go anywhere – Aaron Jones is going to have to be the guy. We've talked about many times how um, how he did uh, in the red zone and finding the end zone, what, 19 times, I think it was, last year. Um, I don't see a repeat of that, but I'm hoping the more more targets, more receptions, 
um, can can get us there. Um, I don't love any of the RP2s, so though, like we've, we like we've talked about. Um, and if I, if I'm going to go with the guy, it's probably going to be James Conner, like you said, because he is cheaper um, and he is kind of on a better offense. And I think the scoring potential is higher, the ceiling's higher with James Conner. But uh, Aaron Jones is is kind of a guy that I think I can get in the third round and and be okay with. So let's go with uh, breakout wide receivers. Um, I really wanted to go Jalen Rager here. Rieger, 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 however you want to say it. Um, he's a guy that I've been drafting in just about every offseason draft I've had. Um, or one out. I know, I know. It's very sad. Not fully, though. Not fully. No, no. Sorry. Just just a quarter. Just a quarter of the way. Just a quarter of the way. Um, I mean, this is a guy that was he, – he was drafted – I think you could get him for late as like the 13th or 12th um, when the offseason started, when the draft happened. And now he's going more in like the ninth. Uh, eighth round um, and that's where I got him this last weekend I was happy to do it um, uh, so I can't really go with him anymore because he's he's out for at least four weeks it sounds like so I'm gonna go with, with Hollywood Brown um, looking at him and what he is what he is in this offense uh, he he added muscle he Lamar Jackson absolutely absolutely loves him the t- uh, his training camp has been great uh, we saw what he did in uh, in his rookie season last year uh, the Ravens are a team that probably aren't going to uh, boat race any, uh, anybody as much as they did last year. So I, I'm hoping and thinking that they're probably going to have to pass more in 2020. Um, and Marquise Brown, aside from Mark Andrews, is going to be Lamar Jackson's kind of go-to guy is what I'm thinking. Uh, he's got the speed. He's getting the strength. Um, hopefully he can stay healthy. That's, that's kind of uh, where his cost is, is kind of baked in. Uh, and I know people hate hearing baked in, um, but <laughs> That's that's kind of what we're looking at because I think his ceiling is he could be a wide receiver one if he gets the volume. Whether he gets that volume, that's that's going to be the question. But he's kind of like Tyler Lockett to me. He gets those mm-hmm. those money targets, um, and I think he could be a better Tyler Lockett in this offense. Yeah, yeah, that's I wrote that targets article and said he was arbitrage on Tyler Lockett. You know, he's not going to hey. be a guy that gets 135 targets, but the targets he does uh, matter. The targets he does get matters. And he's, you know, a hyper-efficient guy that can win vertically and gets more end zone targets uh, than people uh-huh. believe. I'm actually going to take uh, – I'm going to come into your area here. Uh, you know, you didn't get to be a homer, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'm going to pimp a Seattle guy. Uh, nice. It's DK Metcalf. Uh, I'm, I just look at DK Metcalf, and he's like the type of receiver, like, I want a roster, especially at, like, that fifth round in the drafts where he typically goes. I mean, you look at he last year. He had the typical, you know, rookie kind of slower start and came on towards the end of the season. You know, through eight games, he averaged just two point nine catches for fifty yards per game. He had four fewer receptions in all eight of his, uh, you know, opening games. And then over his final ten games played of the season, he averaged four point six catches, twenty two percent of team targets, seventy two yards per game. He had six or more catches in six of those ten games. Uh, in games that he and Tyler Lockett both played, he actually out-targeted uh, out or matched Tyler Lockett uh, in 10 of his 18 games played um, in targets. And then when Lockett actually got healthy at the end of the year and came back and did well to close the season, Metcalf had already established himself and still had games of 6 for 81-1, and 7-160-1, and, and 5 for 49 over those final three games of the season. Um, we've got a, a 6'3 guy, 228 pounds, speaking my language. Uh, he led the NFL as a rookie in end zone targets with 18. We always talk about let Russ cook. Well, even if they don't let Russ cook, the targets that Russ throws, we talked about on this podcast before that are 
hyper-efficient for fantasy and they're saturated in fantasy fat. He's been first or second in end zone targets uh, in each of the past three years. And then if you look at sharp football stats, we've got Seattle by far with the number one projected pace of play schedule. Uh, in the NFL this season. Now, will that play out and will Seattle help us? We don't know. Well, it rains to be seen, but as in terms of uh, how fast their opponents play, they are by far have the, the number one pace schedule. So maybe we will have a little more cooking in the kitchen than there has been in years past with the Seattle passing game. And um, I just think you can get a guy like DK Metcalf. He's probably top 10 and potential probably the lead all wide receivers in the NFL, uh, in the NFL and touchdown receptions this season. Uh, and you can get him as typically your wide receiver three on a lot of rosters. Uh, so, I mean, I'm looking at DK to have that, you know, double digit touchdown season, a thousand yards uh, in his second season this year. Oh, I love it. You know, I love it. And I, <laughs> and I, and I love seeing those, uh, those training camp uh, pictures of DK Metcalf. Oh, that guy is such a beast. Love him. Uh, <laughs> love him in 2020. All right, let's talk about um, guys that we're targeting uh, as like zero running back or upside running back plays. Who do you got and why? I mean, it's a bummer that the news came out today because, I mean, I had planned on talking about this guy anyways, but it was J.K. Dobbins. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was, I mean see, we'll see years. where he climbs. We'll see where he climbs off of this buzz where, you know, Harbaugh came out and said he was going to have a significant role because, I mean, this is a guy that's consistently going outside of the top 24 running backs, like right around RB30 in a lot of leagues that you're in. He's the best home run hitter in this class. I mean, he had 31 runs of 15-plus yards last year. He caught 20 more passes all three of his seasons at Ohio State. Uh, no other back in this draft class fumbled at a lower rate than J.K. Dobbins. Um, he fumbled the ball just five times in 796 career touches. And as much as we talk about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and, and his scheme fit in Kansas City and how strong it is to elevate what he does well and attenuate what he does well as a football player. The same can be said for J.K. Dobbins, him going to this Baltimore scheme that was first in the NFL in shotgun runs and RPO rushing attempts. And that's all J.K. Dobbins did. In this draft class, he was number one in the highest rate of shotgun runs and RPO rushing attempts. It's just a match made in heaven. Now, the one little thorn is that Mark Ingram, you know, is definitely not going to go away. And Mark Ingram is a huge locker room guy in Baltimore. And he's coming off of a year where he averaged 5.5 yards per touch too. So he's not going to completely go away but Ingram was actually 20 only 24th in NFL and running backs and touches per game last year uh, and non-Ingram running backs already averaged 12 touches per game a year ago for the Ravens and this is in games that they played and Ingram played because you know he did sit out week 17 but other Baltimore backs averaged 12 touches per game if you can start with a baseline or Dobbins has an inline to get 12 touches per game I think he can be electric with those 12 touches and can turn them into more touches as the season goes on you know if he can get up to a 15 16 touches per game as, as the season goes on he can really be a guy in the back half of the season uh that is you know kind of just a home run hitter and is just a hyper efficient you know fantasy option uh so i mean i'm looking at dobbins i'm thinking that his fit is just as good as clyde red he's just not going to catch as many passes but as far as the scheme goes and what he does as, an, as a player uh that we're projecting him to be in the nfl uh he's a guy i like to take shots on it that are in that rb you know top rb3 or strike zone range because there's a lot of upside there as well yeah, I think currently going off as the RB28 in PPR leagues uh, per uh, Fantasy Pros consensus. Um, he was my guy as well, and he's the guy that I've been, I mean, I've been drafting as, as much as I can, and I'll, I'll reach even around because I think it's worth it uh, in, most, in, most of my, in most of my drafts uh, because of the same things you said. Um, so since you went with him, I'm going to go with uh, Chase Edmonds um, 
because I mean, and this is another guy that's been sneaking up, um, kind of getting into round ten, uh, as far as I know. He got the Evan Silva bump. Uh, we know we know that does <laughs> does tons uh, for for draft slots. Uh, if you're a player, um, we saw what he could do last year. Um, I think the last game that was last true healthy game we saw him. Uh, I think it was against the Giants. He went 27 yep. for 126, three touchdowns. Um, play and he was he was like the top ad that next week, obviously. And then uh, played against the Saints and I think got hurt and then was was Dunzo. Um, but uh, Kingsbury loves him. He thinks he can be an RB one right now. Kenyon Drake being drafted uh, in the in the late first uh, second rounds. He's he's already hurt. He's uh, in a walking boot, I believe. Um, and so he, he's he's super risky. I feel like um, as much as the upside is there, I think Chase Edmonds has just much upside for ten rounds later that you can get with Kenyon Drake because we've seen it. Uh, Kingsbury loves him. Uh, He's gonna get. He, he should be. He should be able to get targets um, outside of um, outside of Hopkins and, and Christian Kirk. He should be. Um, he should have plenty of, uh, of room for for targets and growth there. So he's a guy that I am always looking towards when it's either round ten or later in my drafts, um, especially with this Kenyon Drake news and, and and what's going on there. Yeah, I think the the thing with Drake, the hardest thing is it, it, with Drake where he goes and drafts is that. You're buying, you're paying more for the opportunity in the in the offense more than you are for Kenyon Drake. Right. I've never, I haven't heard any of the argument for Kenyon Drake really surrounded the things that are actually Kenyon Drake related. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, in a sense, like you know, and he's been a productive player when he's gotten opportunity. So he, even in Miami, um, but typically all of the argument for Drake is you know the the opportunity he had in that offense and how they. I have a hyper-efficient running game because the scheme that they run and, you know, writing, running against light boxes. But I mean, there's a reason that they had three different running backs last year be hyper-successful from a fantasy stance, um, you know, because the system is so good. So, I mean, anytime they'll still, you're buying a guy just on system alone, there's some fragility there. And we do have an eight-year sample dating back to Alabama where, you know, Drake has not, you know, been given the keys to the kingdom in an offense, even, you know, for a full season. So I love adding Chase Edmonds. He's been one of my primary targets, you know, all off season uh, for, for that reason, you know, just to take shots on, you know, the, the, you know, that arbitrage as we like to call it. So, I mean, yeah, he's a guy I've been frequently going, even, you know, he's climbed up in, you know, ranks here because of Evan. Yeah. Yeah. Damn you, Evan. Damn you. Um, all right, perfect. Let's go with uh, last but not least our breakout tight ends. Um, who do you have this year, Rich? I, we've we've talked tight ends. Uh, we've actually talked about probably more tight ends this season than we did of all the fake goods. But uh, who, who do you got, and I <laughs> and why? <laughs> um, my guy's boring because I mean I, I think I know who you're gonna pick, and I don't want to step on your toes. But uh, I think it's <laughs> I think I think it's Hayden Hurst. I just think that the runway is just too obvious. I mean Atlanta cleared a league-leading amount of targets off the books in 2019. It's not just the targets they cleared, but where those targets, you know, came from on the field, the, the intermediate level and near the line of scrimmage. Uh, the crux of those belong to Austin Hooper. Uh, Hurst is being traded from the team that ran the fewest passing plays in the NFL to the team that ran the most. We also project them to run a lot, like we talked about last week again, uh, you know, uh, on the show. And, you know, he was a guy that's going to 
definitely set a career high in targets this year, is only competing with Russell Gage, the Quan Treadwell on the intermediate level. Falcons targeted their tight end 17.7% of the time and nine times per game in 2019. They finished 13th or better in the league in success rate targeting their tight ends in each of the past four years. Uh, Hurst was first among all tight ends in uh, success rate per target last year that of tight ends that have 25 or more targets, and he was 12th among all tight ends in yards per outrun. So just giving him the amount of usage that that offense is going to have and the competition, the lack of competition he has for immediate targets, I think it's just a, a runway for him to have a safe floor uh, for the up, un, with unknown upside to find, figure out what kind of player he is uh, from a talent perspective. But the usage level is going to have him, I think, as a low-end tight end one regardless, with yeah. the ceiling for more. Yeah, I, I, I like Hayden Hurst. And the more you've talked about him, the more I'm kind of warming up to Mr. Hayden Hurst. Um, a guy that you probably thought I was going to go with, and I am, is TJ Hawkinson. Um, <laughs> I yes, mean, it, correct. It's, it's just hard not to. He's going off as the tight end 15 right now. We saw uh, a few flashes last year, particularly in week one, of what he can do in this offense. Again, Stafford was hurt half the season last year. I think he played eight games. Um, and then they, they, they turned to, to nobodies, a quarterback um, while TJ Hawkinson was a rookie tight end and we, we saw what he could do. We saw these flashes. Uh, here comes, here comes year two. Um, he's, he's an athletic freak. Um, he's going to be commanding targets really Kenny Hall, Kenny Galladay, Galladay, excuse me. And Marvin Jones, um, are, are really, they're going to be the, the one and two primary targets. Amendola, I think had 90 plus targets last year. I don't see that happening again. I think, um, uh, Hawkinson's going to, going to, going to kind of eat into that to that workload and get 90 plus targets i'm hoping um because he as long as he can stay healthy and again this is the uh, he, he's already dealing with ankle ankle injury that he's admitted to having he's not 100 but if you if you've seen video of what he can do with an ankle injury that he says he has now imagine what he can do when he's 100 percent healthy uh and then with 100 percent healthy matthew stafford in this offense um I don't think this is a team that's going to be able to run very well again uh, under Matt Patricia. Uh, I do love DeAndre Swift as another kind of six-round target, fifth-round, six-round target, um, kind of more for the passing game aspect. But TJ Hawkinson is a guy that I think can be the third best target uh, or the third target in the pecking order on a Matthew Stafford team, and I'm, I'm kind of all about that when, when you can get him at, in, the, in the 12th round or later. Well, that's that's basically it, man, for our guys. Do you have do you have anybody else you want to just add real quick before we before we head out? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, you know, I How's I'm still yeah, I'm still definitely on. If you have a roster and you know you're kind of hanging out in these rounds and all the running backs are gone, uh, the receivers aren't that great. It's been kind of plucked over. You're in like the Sterling Shepherd zone. I mean, it's still. I mean. It, I would still definitely be more than willing to roster Antonio Gibson wherever I can. He was a guy who was drafted a ton early on and was adding in like the RB50 range and the Darius Geis news kind of made it harder to get him because his ADP spiked. But I think when you look at Antonio Gibson and where he goes, all you care about is, is the singular upside that he could possess. And you don't really care about the downside, um, you know, when you're talking about like in the mid RB thirties, um, because there's no one in that strike zone that really has a high ceiling as he does. I mean, this is, uh, you know, a kid that had 1100 yards from scrimmage last year on just 71 touches. 
Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's six feet, 228 pounds, you know, he had a four, three, nine, 40. He's just a, a mega athlete. He's in an offense that is just starving for playmakers. They have Terry McLaurin and really nobody else. He has this Alvin Kamara esque profile. And now we don't expect the Washington football team to be the 2017 New Orleans saints at any level, but that's the kind of like, you know, range of outcomes as like uh, of usage he has, like a guy that can, probably get 125 carries and be involved hyper hyper uh, aggressively in the passing game and near the line of scrimmage you know Scott Turner has come over from Carolina he just you know I have least they had an offense that successfully used Christian McCaffrey you know near the line of scrimmage and my Andrew Gibson is not going to be Christian McCaffrey I know I've dropped Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara in the same <laughs> kind of orbit as this as this kid but like he is like that kind of player though um, right. he's got this dual usage and upside that is kind of untapped into. And when you're talking about going near like the Matt Breedas in the world, uh, who are fine players, like those guys just don't possess the kind of upside that Antonio Gibson does, um, especially if you're in a full PPR league. Uh, so, I mean, I definitely want to add Antonio Gibson still as many places as I can, if the room's going to allow me to. Yeah. No, I like that. And, uh, I was, I was a little disappointed. I didn't get him in my last draft, but, uh, Say love you, you know, what do you, what do you do? You can't get them at all. So um, that's going to do it for uh, episode 20 of our guys this year, Rich. And I, I hope we can look back a year from now and be like, yeah, we, we, we hit on a few of those, but uh, time, time will tell. Time will tell. I um, want to remind everybody out there um, again, next week, we're going to record Wednesday to become with, to be in your ears on Thursday morning for uh, either your drive into work or your, your work day at home on your computer because of COVID. Um, so look for that. Um, We're talking about real football. Again, go to, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be amazing, man. I can't, I can't wait. Uh, the off season's over, man. I mean, it's we're basically here. So uh, the, oh, the I'm dying stuff, to talk about SmackDown yeah, games. Man. Yeah, yeah, actionable stuff. So it's it's going to be fun, man. Um, Want to remind everybody to go to uh, SharpFootballAnalysis.com and pick up your book and pick up the fantasy package as well. Um, also, go rate and review and subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you're listening to us because it really does help us. Um, I know it sounds like we're begging for, for likes and whatnot, but uh, we are help us. We, we want, we want to be seen with everybody else and uh, we're trying to get there. So uh, please help us out. Like you guys have, I mean, you guys have been amazing so far, so keep it up. Um, I'm, I mean, if there's nothing else, I'm going to, I'm just going to sign off, Rich. You, you got anything? No, nah, let's close it up. Week one's coming. Week one's coming, man. I'm Chad Scott at Chad underscore Scott 13 on Twitter. Uh, make sure you're following Rich at Lord Reeves on Twitter. Uh, we'll see you next week for week one. Later.